0: You know, with nine, I imagine if I were managing that store, I would change the way that the, the people who work in that store dress and I would do some training and clean the store up in this way and change the way that they market in this way and change some pricing and, and I would change some of the products that they sell. And, you know, before I knew it, in about five minutes, I had that store at an amazing level of success. And then I realized, I really don't know anything about running a store like that, you know? You ever been there where you decide that you know how to do what someone else is doing far better than they do, but really, the truth is, you don't know much about it at all. And I think there are times that we even let this spill over into our understanding of God. I mean, I know that there have been a few times at least, and maybe more than I'd like to count, Of times where I've sort of said, if I were God, this wouldn't have happened. If I were God, I wouldn't have allowed this person to die at such a young age. If I were God, I wouldn't have allowed this natural disaster to occur. If I were God, this war wouldn't have taken place. If I were God, this genocide would not have happened. And I don't understand why God didn't do it the way I think he should have pretty audacious kind of thinking isn't it for us to somehow think that we know better than God but I think there are times that we do that and today I want us to think about some of those times where we don't understand what God is doing where we don't understand why God has allowed something really bad to happen to to us or to someone that we love or to someone that maybe we don't even know but still it breaks our heart that it's happened Today we come to the end of a series that I've called Praying with Greatness. We've been looking at some great Old Testament prayers, some of them by amazingly faithful people, and some by people who struggled in their faith, but at one moment sort of got what God is all about and prayed to Him. And today we come to the book of Job. You know, when when I hear people say, uh, the Bible is, you know, that's a book that was written... 2,000 years ago, and really, it's not re- very relevant to everyday life in our world. My response is often I'm not sure they've read much of the Bible. Because it amazes me that Scripture so often speaks to the issues that we are discussing in our culture today. Think about it. The book of Ecclesiastes attempts to answer this question. What is the meaning of life? You think anybody deals with that question today? Uh, The book of Song of Songs or Song of Solomon talks all about love and marriage and sex. Do we ever talk about that in our culture? Pretty sure we do. And the book of Job attempts to answer this question. Why do bad things happen? Why would a God who is completely good allow really bad things to happen in our world. And it grapples with that question for 42 long chapters. And Today I want us to think a little bit about that story. Maybe you'll remember how it goes. It begins with an interchange between God and Satan. And they're having this conversation, and God says, You know, Satan, have you you ever noticed the amazing faith of this man, Job? I mean, he is faithful to me in every way. And Satan says, yeah, God, I've noticed. But you know what? The reason he's faithful is because he's got everything that anybody could want. He's got a wife. He's got kids. He's got money. He's got health. He's successful. Of course he's faithful to you (laughs) because you've given him everything. And God says, okay, you go at it. You go at Job, and you'll see what a faithful man he is. And Satan did just that. So in a a series of events that happen in fairly quick succession, Job loses his family. He loses his wealth, his success. He loses his health. Everything is gone. And yet scripture says even in the midst of that, Job did not sin. But what did happen was Job had three friends. And scripture says they came to sympathize and encourage Job. Now Job was in one of those situations where who needs enemies when you got friends like this? Because for, from chapter 2 all the way down through chapter 37... These three friends say to Job basically this Job, the reason all this happened, all this bad stuff, well, basically, it's your fault. You brought it all on yourself. God is punishing you because you've done something wrong. This is a sign that God is displeased with you. So you did this. It's your own fault. And and part of the way through, we have one other friend that shows up. And we think, wow, this has got to be a guy of reason who's going to speak something important into the life of Job. And he says the same thing. So you've got this interchange. Interchange. These long passages where where Job's friends speak and then he speaks. And a friend speaks and then Job speaks. And often what Job says is, I don't get this. I don't understand why God is doing this. I mean, if God has all the information I have, he should have done something different. God should have had a different plan than allowing me to experience all this misery. And so he challenges God. And these are not short. I mean, these are long speeches that Job makes along with all his friends. And that runs from chapter 2 all the way down to chapter 37. It's hard going if you read through the book of Job because that's what it says. And then everything changes in chapter 38. Because God has heard enough. And God shuts down this conversation between Job and his friends and he basically calls Job forward and says, okay, answer this for me. Who do you think you are? Because I'm God and I don't think you understand that and I don't think you understand your place before me. Now, I don't always know how colloquialisms work going from the South to the Midwest, but when I was a kid and, you know, I got a little smart-mouthed, you know, and I thought I knew more than I really did, uh, my mom would say, you're getting too big for your britches. So it works, okay? And it's as though God is saying to Job, Job, you're getting a little too big for your britches to talk to me the way you just did. That's not okay. Okay? By the way, Job, can you make grass grow in the desert? Because I can. Let me describe a sea monster for about a chapter. Can you tame that sea monster? Because, Job, I can. Do you really realize who you're dealing with? And when God gets finished with his answer to Job, we find the prayer that I want us to read today. It's in Job chapter 42. It's just six verses. It's amazing how Job has gone from these long speeches, going back and forth with his friends, and after God speaks, he doesn't have a lot to say because God has sort of silenced him. These are the words that he prays. Beginning of chapter 42, then Job replied to the Lord, I know you can do all things. Job has heard it. He's heard what God can do no purpose of yours can be thwarted you asked who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge so God had challenged Job and all those questions Job asked God says who's this that obscures my plans without knowledge who questions what I'm doing without really having a clue and then Job speaking again surely I spoke of things I did not understand Things too wonderful for me to know. I didn't get it. There was so much that I didn't know, and I realize that now. You said, Listen now, and I will speak. This is God's words. I will question you, and you shall answer me. And then Job's response My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. I knew something about God. I had this vague picture of who God was, but. Only now do I really see what God is like. Only now do I begin to understand this God. And then his final response, Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job is chastened. Job gets that he had missed the whole thing by questioning God the way that he did. Job is seeing that that he only saw a small portion whereas God saw everything and that was really God's point job you don't know what you're talking about job knows that he saw something of God but now he's got a much fuller picture and in the end his response is repentance he knows this is not the way I can relate to God this is not what God wants from me and I've got to talk to God in a different way And so, what's the lesson we learn from this passage we can't take God's place we've got to understand God's place and we've got to understand our place and they are not the same when we attempt to be in God's place we're gonna mess things up and we're gonna ruin our relationship with God It's when we understand who God is and who we are that we can begin to relate to God in the right way. Now, one of the things that we've learned, it seems like over and over in this series, is that when we read through these prayers of the Old Testament and really study them, what we find is that we learn more about God than we do about anything else. And I think that's true in this whole interchange in the last three chapters of Job that we see going on. We learn more about God than we do about God. Prayer. So what do we learn about God? We can't take God's place. What does that mean? Well, I think part of the message of Job is it's okay to ask this big question, why does bad stuff happen? In fact, that's a good question to ask. If it weren't an okay question to ask, why would we have 42 chapters in the middle of the Old Testament attempting to answer that question? You see, God can handle us asking the difficult questions. We've seen that at work all through these prayers. And if you read through the book of Psalms, you'd see people asking God very difficult questions over and over and over again. That's all right. But what we have to understand. is that God is bigger than our questions in several ways. First of all, God knows our suffering. God knows our suffering. When we come to God with all these questions, God, why did you allow this to happen? God, why did you allow this to happen to somebody I love? Why did you, why did you make this happen sometimes is the question we want to ask. We forget that God knows so much more than we do and he knows the fact that what stands behind those questions is our suffering. That did not go unnoticed by God. God understands what suffering is. He saw His son die on a cross because of my sin. But God's understanding not just of my suffering, God's understanding of the world, of creation, is bigger than my understanding too. You see, I ask God those questions because what I can see is what's going on right here and right now in this time and in this place, what's right in front of me. But what God sees is so much bigger. God can see everything, not just my experience, but God can see everything that led up to this moment and God can see everything that will happen in the future. And while I look at this moment and say, God, why didn't you do this, and why did you do this, and I know there's a better plan than what really happened, I don't really know how changing things would affect the future. I don't really know how my plan might cause disaster later on. And I also don't know how God can take some very bad things that might be going on right now and redeem them in powerful ways to make a huge impact on lives that I may not even be aware of. Because I can't see that. I don't see all that God sees. And so here I am questioning God because he doesn't look at the world the way I do. And the truth is, he doesn't. Because he sees so much more than I will ever see. And that's part of God's response to Job. You don't understand what I'm looking at. And you don't have the power to deal with any of that. And even if you did, you'd probably mess it up. But God sees so much more. He's our creator. He is all-knowing. And so what do we learn about prayer from that? Okay, if we learn about about God from this, and we learn that we we worship an all-powerful, all-knowing God who sees so much more than we do, what does that teach us about prayer? Well, I think it teaches us that, yeah, we can come to God with the really difficult questions, Questions like Job brought and questions that we see all the way through the book of Psalms. But what we also see is that we've got to give God his place. And so even in the midst of asking those questions, part of what matters is how we ask the questions. What's our attitude when we go to God? You know, sometimes I want to go to God... And it's as if God is sitting on his throne, and I would really like for him to put a second throne there that I could sit in so we could sort of look each other eye to eye, and I could question him about what he's doing. And that's the way Job was addressing God. And God says, no, that's not how it works. You see, we can't take God's place. We're not equals with God. We're not co-equals with God. We're talking about the creator of the universe. So when we go to God with all these challenges and struggles and, and how we don't understand exactly what he's doing and how we, we would do things in a different way, part of what we've got to do is come to God in humility, recognizing his place, recognizing that we are not in the same place, That I am a created being. That I'm here to serve Him. That I'm here to worship Him. What I recognize is, like Job does in this prayer, the greatness of God. And when I see the greatness of God, I begin to see my place. And my place is not that I'm unimportant and I don't matter before God. Because God loves me and He loves you and He values us because He made us. But he calls us to come to him as Job finally does in repentance, in humility, recognizing the greatness of God and our limitations. That sometimes we just don't get it. So, as you think about your life, what are some areas in your life in which you've attempted to take God's place where you've attempted to be in control maybe because if you're honest you don't think God's doing such a great job you're pretty sure you could do it better and so you've gone your own way or maybe there are areas of your life where you've seen things going on and you've really pressed the question to God. Maybe in a way that didn't show any humility. Maybe more in a way where you were standing beside God accusing. How do we take those things and turn them around and take them to the Creator of the universe? the one who loves us, the one who sent his son to die for us, how do we take them in such a way that we are showing him honor and showing him praise and yet expressing the difficulty of life? I think it's all about going to God in prayer and showing him we know who he is because he is God and as long as we remember this, we're in good shape. He is God. And we are not. Let's pray together. God, we confess that there are times when we've not acknowledged your place. When we've attempted to take your place. God, we repent just like Job. We repent just like he did, knowing that we need to acknowledge that you are God and we're not. So, God, we pray you'll help us to understand. We pray you'll give us insight. But we pray that you'll also lead because we need you to be in charge. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.